Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Mike Rosenberg from Columbia Credit Union. Mike says they trust what they see and hear on OPB, and that aligns with Columbia Credit Union's brand. From the Gert Boyle Studio at OPB, this is Think Out Loud. I'm Dave Miller. It's been four months since the July deadline for Oregon cities to establish codes on where and when people experiencing homelessness can camp outside. We thought it was a good time to check in to see how these rules are playing out. Evan Hendricks is a director of navigation services at Lighthouse Navigation Center in Bend. Terry McDonald is the executive director of St. Vincent de Paul of Lane County. They both run low barrier shelters, meaning, among other things, they don't have sobriety mandates. We talked earlier this week. I started by asking Terry to describe the rules that Eugene has adopted. Well, in the summer, of course, uh, the uh, city council adopted a series of measures that would prohibit uh, camping uh, in certain parts of Eugene, and that was been in force ever since the, about July 1st. Uh, and they're primarily areas in the downtown core, uh, but also along the riverfront. Has enforcement changed significantly since those new rules went into effect? Well, enforcement obviously has a completely changed where many of the unhoused people that we used to see along the river and along certain corridors in downtown Eugene, uh, those have been, of course, cleared out. And they continue to be cleared out when a camper uh, just tries to get into those areas. Uh, they're very quickly um, uh, told to move on at that point. And where do they go in general? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, to other places in the Eugene Springfield area, uh, not necessarily ones that are in those specialized corridors like the downtown core of the riverfront, uh, but they still pop up all throughout the community. Are more people seeking services? The the hope uh, in these rules all across the state on the part of, of state lawmakers, I mean, is, is it more people will be, in a sense, encouraged or uh, forced uh, to, to seek shelter or to get into treatment or to get into some kind of transitional housing? To what extent is that happening? Uh, it's not. Uh, so the populations that are more in those uh, unhoused or unorganized uh, uh, camp areas uh, that have been kind of moved out, uh, is a population that really does not want to participate in a rule-bound system. So if you think of even a low-barrier shelter, uh, there are certain rules that we will enforce, like, you know, you can't openly be violent to one another and so forth. Uh, and those rules are just too much for some people. So even, even though there has been a change in where people stay, uh, it does not brought more uh, people into our service areas. Hmm. Evan Hendricks, what about in Bend? Can you explain or remind us the time and place rules that Bend adopted uh, back on March 1st, I think it was? Yeah, it sounds very similar uh, to the rules adopted by the city of Eugene um, that Terry described. And in general, folks are uh, engaged regularly by code enforcement officers uh, working on behalf of the city to remind them um, regarding the camping code and the response from the unhoused community in our region has generally been a willingness to uh, move along every couple of days and become much more mobile and uh, fluid in their movements or they've moved the perimeter of the city 
um, in a couple of rural areas uh, on the north and south end of town. So it, numerically, it seems it hasn't really changed the prevalence of uh, uh, of outdoor homelessness. It's just moved it more to the periphery. Yeah, which, in all honesty, I believe was was generally the intent uh, for these codes. Uh, it wasn't really designed to be necessarily beneficial to the unhoused community. I think it was more in response to the citizens. Uh, not uh, knowing how to respond to unhoused folks living um, in and amongst businesses and um, housing development areas. And so the city responded accordingly. Um, I think the one benefit that we've seen so far is that uh, because we do have a low barrier navigation center, we've seen roughly 1,700 individuals over the course of the last year access services on site, uh, whereas a year and a half ago before this facility existed, uh, those folks weren't able to access services to the extent that they are today. But it seems like that, it, it, if I'm listening correctly and, 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 and thinking back to what we just heard from Terry, it seems like that is, is more attributable to the creation of this navigation center as opposed to a result of, of stepped up inner bend enforcement. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if I think it would have been, um, I think it would have been really difficult to enforce a camping code or instigate a camping code without the creation of a navigation center and without continued work um, to try to identify and create housing solutions for these individuals. What does happen at the navigation center in Bend? Gosh, a great number of things. Uh, we try to meet people where they're at upon arrival. Uh, usually they come in uh, in some form of crisis. And our first response is to try to uh, validate, understand, and believe their story. And then we quickly follow that up with trying to meet basic needs. And so we provide meals. We provide water. We provide a uh, fresh change of clothing. Uh, we have a shower on site. And then a uh, shower truck visits every Monday as well. Uh, to be able to support some outside folks. And then beyond that, we start moving into trying to connect people with providers, uh, anything from behavioral health to uh, physical health, uh, substance use challenges. Uh, we work with our local veterans organization to support veterans. And then we've got a team of case managers and certified alcohol and drug counselors on site that work with folks on an individual basis uh, toward the stated objectives that they've identified. If you're just tuning in, I'm talking right now with Evan Hendricks, the Director of Navigation Services at Lighthouse Navigation Center in Bend, and Terry McDonald, the Executive Director of St. Vincent de Paul of Lane County. Terry, where are you right now in, in terms of shelter capacity? Well, uh, we, we're, we are where we have been for the last several years. Uh, we're at 100% capacity. Uh, and we have a waiting list of, uh, and generally between 600 and 1,000. Hmm. I, I should say that according to the most recent point in time count, that the, the total number of people experiencing homelessness in Lane County increased by 72% in the last five years. Uh, and in, in Central Oregon, in Deschutes, Jefferson, and Crook counties, there was a 28% increase in in their count just from 2022 to 2023. 
but so Terry, back to you. In, in terms of of being at capacity with the huge waiting list, I assume then that 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 is a different population than the one you were mentioning earlier, um, who is resistant to services. That's correct. Uh, so what we're seeing is a growth in uh, a different homeless population that we've never seen actually until much until before about five years ago, and that's uh, a much more senior population. So. Uh, it used to be that uh, the number of homeless women that we uh, we uh, had on our various programs was about 10 to 13 percent. Uh, it's now about 50 percent, and much of that population is over the age of 50. Uh, so these are often individuals that are in fixed incomes, but just not enough money to afford living, uh, the cost of living in this area, which has gone up very rapidly in the last decade. Uh, and so they end up being uh, either homeless or else uh, in and out of housing, uh, and then finally into the shelter activity uh, shelter programs. Evan, have you seen uh, a similar increase uh, in in different populations that are either on the verge of homelessness or experiencing homelessness? Yeah, I think it's grown significantly. The margins uh, that used to exist where people would kind of operate right on the threshold of being houseless, uh, much of those were dissolved through the COVID pandemic um, as resources that folks relied upon uh, very quickly disappeared. And the result, unfortunately, was a lot of people uh, transitioning into a houseless uh, reality without the services and the support required to be able to easily get back into housing. Evan, first of all, I'd love to hear both of you on this. The, the city of Grants Pass has asked the U.S. Supreme Court to consider looking at a case involving how much authority a city has to regulate homelessness. Uh, and cities up and down the West Coast have said, and, and some states as well, have said, yes, please do this. The, the League of Oregon Cities has signed on. They basically want to have more leeway to clear encampments, even if they don't have enough shelter beds. This is all connected to uh, an appeals court ruling uh, from Boise a couple years ago. If that were to happen, if the, if the Supreme Court, after a lot of legal wrangling, were to, to give cities more authority to do that than they currently have, what impact do you think that would have on your community? Well, I think it would be devastating. You know, in the case of Lane County, uh, you would return to a situation that we saw, you know, 20 years ago, uh, which was uh, the, the unhoused, instead of uh, being visible, would go back to being invisible. So hiding uh, rather than being visible out where they are today. Uh, and that's the way the, uh, the unhoused were treated 20 years ago was it was considered an illegal activity and and you couldn't. You didn't just stop anywhere and, and set up a tent. You, you hid to yourself. Uh, we just returned back to that period. Evan, you said it would be devastating. What do you mean? Yeah, these, these individuals, uh, in my experience, are not choosing this lifestyle. And the general response from the public uh, seems to be we would just rather not have to see it or witness um the folks that are in this situation, which ultimately is just pushing uh, this reality further down the road. I would much rather see us shift from trying to um, eliminate the visibility of these folks by just moving them around to really 
creating the necessary resources and support these folks need in order to move towards health and stability, and which is we're seeing is we need significant gains in regards to mental health support and substance use, um, both of which are often a byproduct of living a houseless reality. And Terry, what about you? I mean, what do you think would make the biggest difference right now? Obviously, um, this, these are issues that leaders all across the state, at the local, regional, and, and the, the state levels are all grappling with. It's not like there aren't a ton of conversations. What do you think is not being paid enough attention to, is not getting enough attention well, uh, the governor actually has addressed this pretty uh, directly uh, early on in her tenure, uh, and that is is that there's a dearth of affordable housing. Uh, there was a recent uh, survey done in California indicating that uh, Oregon and California, basically for every 23 to 24 human being, well, for every 100 human beings that qualify for affordable housing, only about 23 or 24 have the availability of affordable housing. Uh, when you couple that with the uh, very low vacancy rates in our communities, whether it's in Bend or any, almost anywhere in Oregon, uh, where vacancy rates uh, in just market housing is at less than 1%, uh, you've bred yourself a disaster. So you can offer lots of treatments and you can do lots of interventions, which are all good. Uh, and you can increase and buffer up uh, the support services for people. But at the end of the day, you have to have places where they can live a permanent life. Uh, and that's whether it's the tiny house movement or modular mobile homes or where it's Section 42 housing units or uh, any other affordable housing solutions. Uh, number one, you have to be able to build more and you got to build them a lot faster than we are now. And they have to be dispersed throughout the state. Terry McDonald and Evan Hendricks, thanks very much. It's a pleasure. You're welcome. Evan Hendricks is the Director of Navigation Services at Lighthouse Navigation Center in Bend. Terry McDonald is the Executive Director of St. Vincent de Paul of Lane County. So much of what we talk about on this show has to do with what's happening right now. But there's a lot of history behind these conversations. OPB's Salmon Wars podcast will give you insights into some of that history. It tells the story of one Yakima Nation family that's been fighting for salmon in the Columbia River across generations. Find Salmon Wars wherever you listen to podcasts.